You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I'm the lead pastor here at the Pines. And I'm so excited that you carved out 20, 25 minutes of your time to study the Word of God with us. For those of you that are joining us for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series titled Identity. And so we, in the last few lessons, we unpacked in order to be able to understand who you are, we have to understand who he is, meaning God, because God is the creator of all things. And so if you go back to the beginning of you, your origin, in order to be able to tell your origin story, we must first identify God and who he is, because we were made in his image and likeness. And so we talked about in order to be able to understand God, in order to be able to talk about God, you have to look to, look to him through a certain lens. The Bible uh, mentions this all throughout scripture, and that is the fear of the Lord. And we identify that the fear of the Lord isn't to be scared of God or to be afraid of God because you can't be in an intimate relationship with somebody you're afraid of. That word fear is talking about, it can be actually broken down into two words, reverence and awe. Two words that we don't really hear in our everyday vernacular very often. But this is, uh, these are words that the Hebrews reserve just to talk about God. And so we are to have a reverential awe and understanding who God is in relation to who we are. And then we talked about holiness, the one attribute that's listed above all other attributes that theologians actually say that that holds all of God's attributes is his holiness. And holiness means to be set apart. But if you do a deeper dive into it, it can actually broken, be broken down into his otherness. What does that mean, his otherness? It means that God is outside of time. God is outside of science. God is outside of mathematics because he is the one that created mathematics and time in science. He created all of these things. So he's other than us. He is not a man. And I think we make the grave mistake when we read scripture that we were made in his image and likeness in order to satisfy our microwave society. Give it to me now and give it to me quick. We've returned the favor and made God in our image. We've dumbed down the idea of God to put him inside of this box. But I am here to tell you, and these words are here to tell you, that he can't be put in any box. He is other. He is holy. He is to be revered. We are to have a sense of awe. You know, we've lost the majesty and the glory of God. And it's important that we understand these attributes, these descriptive words, in order to be able to understand who we are. And so today, we're going to be talking about another one of those words, okay? Because often I feel that many in the church and even outside of their church try to find their identity in their career. They try to find their identity in what other people say about them. They try to find their identity 
in social media, in the projected image that they're trying to uphold all the time. But our identity is found in God. And so often many of us fail to study scripture and what God says about us. And so today we're going to be talking about the word righteousness. Okay, again, another one of those heavy, big religious words that gets thrown around in church. But when you kind of pry into someone's understanding of it, you'll find that there's a really shallow definition or there's no understanding of it at all. It's just a word that we've sung um, in choruses and just gets tossed around in church. So let's break this word down. Righteousness is found, the Hebrew word is yashar. And it means, it's very simple definition, it means this. It means upright or right standing. Okay? It's part of the otherness of God. So just like the holiness, God is outside. It's something that our words and perhaps even our minds will never fully understand on this side of eternity, yet we're invited into this word to seek it out to search it out, and to explore all of its wonder. Righteousness, the word righteousness, is actually found over 540 times in Scripture. So the Bible has a lot to say about righteousness. And so I think an important place for us to be able to uh, start this exploration is in scripture because the first time that we see righteousness in scripture it's mentioned with Abram. And so Genesis 15:6, he's not even Abraham yet. It says this, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I what an what an amazing statement that Abraham didn't he didn't do anything but simply because he believed God it was counted to him as righteousness so i want to make this statement the foundation of righteousness is relationship abraham had a relationship with his creator and his creator, when he began to share his heart for Abraham, or Abram rather, because he's not Abraham yet. God had not given him that name yet, which means father of many nations, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. It was Abram. As God began to share his heart for Abram, Abram simply believed God. He said, yeah, well, I, you know what? We're in relationship. You created me. I love you. I receive your words. And the Bible says that that it was counted to him as righteousness. And so Abraham, he didn't, he didn't, uh, I, I want you to understand this, okay? It go, the scripture goes on to explain that he received the name of Abraham because he believed God, which means father of many nations, because he had Abram look up at the stars, count them. Abram couldn't count them. And he said, yeah, there's too many. They're innumerable. And he said, so are going to be your sons. And because he believed, he said, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So you got to think about this because he believed God above his, his actual, 
His body was past reproductive age. His wife was past reproductive age. Yet because it came from the mouth of God, he believed it. He then took on that name, even though he was past the age of reproduction. His wife was past the age of reproduction and he didn't have any kids. Now, can you just imagine what that must have been like when he went into the marketplace? Like, hey, Abram, uh, actually, it's, it's not Abram anymore. Uh, it, it's Abraham. And they're like, Abraham, father of many nations? Dude, that's crazy. Could you imagine? Like, we forget Abram was a real man. And he had to change his name. And he had lived a long life. So there were a lot of people that knew him as Abram. And he had to correct them. Why? Because, because he valued what God said about him more than what others said about him. He believed. Okay? And so because he received simply because he believed. He wasn't working for righteousness. He was working from righteousness because he believed and receive from God. So let's look at Romans 5, 17. It says this, much more surely will those who receive, there's that word again, God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness. So righteousness is a free gift. Reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, I want to highlight and go back to that first sentence. Much more surely will those who receive, okay? Who receive. So some won't receive, some will receive. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it like this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that, listen, we could be made right, righteous, right standing, upright with God through Christ Jesus. So again, it's not by your works, but the access to this righteousness is believing and receiving God's promise, his sacrifice over your life. This is something that God did for us, not us. And I want to make the distinction because this is where I think we miss righteousness in the church. There's two camps. One camp believes that we have to strive for righteousness in our good works. And the other camp just has completely fallen asleep at the wheel and has forgot that we are indeed righteous. So... There's one camp, we got to strive, we got to earn it, we got to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. The other camp, they've completely fallen asleep at the wheel. So let's, let's, take, a, let's take a sneak peek at uh, these two different camps, okay? Number one, Paul warns us about striving. And if I'm going to be honest and transparent, this is the camp that I could identify with some of their ideology. I found myself drifting. I'm a performer uh, I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm a D personality. So I, I want to roll my sleeves up. I want to take ground. I want to move forward. But if you're not careful, okay, if you begin on this journey, okay, you can become like the prodigal son working for favor rather than from favor. You could start to develop a critical eye, a judgmental eye, pointing out the speck in your brother and sister's eyes, neglecting the plank in your own. So this is an extremely dangerous way of viewing the world. 
And in Galatians, Paul warns us, he says, how foolish can you be? So right from the get-go, what he's about to tell you is absolute foolishness, okay? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, right? We started our new lives in the Spirit. It wasn't by anything that we could do lest we boast. It wasn't our good deeds. It wasn't our good works. It was, it was Christ's sacrifice on the cross, beginning in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, behavior modification? Let me tell you that this is the path to guilt, shame, depression, and condemnation, and judgment. They're all interlocked together as you begin to try to somehow justify why you deserve this. You don't. You don't deserve it. But it's a free gift that God gives you and you receive it by faith. He is the one that has done the heavy lifting. He is the one that paid the ultimate sacrifice. We receive it by faith. Secondly, Paul shakes us awake with these words found in 1 Corinthians 5, 14, it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. That is such a huge statement. I want you to think about that. Awake to righteousness. Awaken to the gift that you've received. Awaken to your new title as a son and daughter of the king of the universe awaken to your righteousness so that you will not sin okay so here's this camp the strivers okay they're trying not to sin so they can be righteous all right and there's other ones that are falling asleep and paul's shaking them saying wake up to the righteousness that's been imputed to you so that you don't sin. You won't need to sin. See, one day the Holy Spirit really opened my eyes to this scripture in particular. Actually, and, 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 and he did it through a roundabout way. It was another scripture. John 14, 15, this is out of the ESV, says this. And you guys have heard this before, okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, simple statement. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Let me tell you how I used to hear that scripture. As a striver. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I'm like, okay, well, I love God. I got to keep his commandments, okay? So I got to make sure that I'm holy. I got to make sure that I'm reading the Bible. I got to make sure that I'm doing the right things, okay? Because I love him. Then I got to make sure that I'm keeping all of his commands. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to keep them. I'm not going to hate my brother. I'm not going to be uh, an adulterer and, and covet my brother's way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this in my own strength. But that's not what God is saying here. He's saying this. Okay, and this is where my eyes were really opened. I heard a minister preach this one day, and it just like, it just exploded on the inside of me. Okay? If you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And all of a sudden, same words, different connotation, okay? If I love him, then I will 
keep his commandments. Let me give you an example, okay? I am not, I'm in love with my wife, Jess, okay? I am madly, head over heels, deeply infatuated in love with my wife. I mean, we got six kids. I mean, we're obviously, I'm in love with her, okay? I don't walk out of our house in the morning thinking, okay, if I love Jess, then I, got, I cannot sin against her, okay? I cannot have an adulterous thought. I cannot, you know, betray her. I cannot lie to her. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. How ridiculous is that, okay? Rather, because I love Jess so much, there's nothing that any other woman on this planet has to offer me because I'm in love with her. She, she satisfies all of my, she gives me everything that I need. I don't have to lie because we have an open relationship. I can bring anything to her. So I don't have to go throughout the day thinking about, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't. That's the law. And there's no way that I could uphold that. But because I love her, there's nothing else that the world has to offer me. So I simply, my eyes are blinded to all those things because I'm in love with her. And so the same is true of God. When you understand your righteousness, okay, that has been imputed to you by believing and receiving, and you understand who you are, then you realize you don't want any part of this. Holiness means to be set apart, to be above. The, it's, what it simply means is the, the absolute best life that God has for you. So that you're above the things of this world. They have nothing to offer you. Why would I want those things when I got this? Why would you want that when you have this? That's really the way that you need to look at it. See, Zechariah 8.8 says this, They shall be my people. I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. We are to be a righteous church, a righteous people, because our God is righteous. We are to reflect his righteousness in the world so that it gets people's attention and points them to Jesus. The Bible says furthermore in Psalm 89:14 that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. The very foundation of it. And so what we do or don't do um, doesn't change the reality of our righteousness found in Jesus. He declared that on the cross. And as we receive him as all our Lord, which means he has supreme ownership over our life, we submit our will to his will. He imputes his righteousness in us. Not, selfish, not self-righteousness that we have to try to strive and that we have to try to earn. Remember, Jesus was so hard on the Pharisees that were bragging in their self-righteousness, but we're missing the mark. We're falling so short. But as we explore the majesty, the glory, the awe, the wonder, the reverent God, our hearts are flooded with his love for us. And as we behold him, we become more like him. As we receive him and believe him, it is counted to us as righteousness. And so I don't know what labels were spoken over you from a parent, from a coach, okay, from a boss, and maybe you've even spoke some things over yourself. I want to invite you. 
actually scratch you. I want to challenge you to study God's word, to go back, watch this again, and to write down those scriptures and to meditate on them, to read them and reread them. Invite the Holy Spirit into that reading and say, God, Father, will you open my eyes to truly be able to understand and receive that I am righteous. Because if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received him in your heart, then the Bible says that you are righteous. It does not matter what you have done and what you haven't done because it's not by your works. So awaken to the righteousness that has been imputed to you so that you will sin no more. I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that you take my words to heart and you read these things because it will change the way that you see the world. It'll change the way that you see yourself and it'll change the way that you see your brothers and sisters. It is time for the church to awaken to righteousness. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.